Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. This is Scott Simpson filling in for Boyd Matheson. Uh, He's out. Uh, We'll be back next week, but you're joining us here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio, 1160 AM and 102.7 FM. You know, when political leaders want to um, lead, (laughs) the elected leaders want to be the leaders, they are often charged with articulating a vision, a plan, and putting that together. Well, the Republican Study Committee has released its plan, the Blueprint to Save America. And uh, uh, you, you always hope that when these are created, it's not the first time they've been created. Both parties are doing this all the time, trying to articulate vision that uh, can demonstrate their their leadership, uh, their vision, the direction that they think they, we should be going from a legislative perspective. Uh, but, you know, does it really matter? Does it really uh, affect voters in, in this news cycle, in in the, the remaining days that we have left before November? Is this blueprint going to make a difference? These are serious questions, and we've got a serious expert here, Nance Swift, a resident fellow with R Street Institute. Thank you for joining us here on Inside Sources. Thank you for having me, Scott. So what do you make of this blueprint to save America? It's, it's uh, fresh. It's hot off the presses. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think that the Republican Study Committee should be applauded for even putting out a budget, which is more than can be said for the current majority in the House and the Senate, who year after year have not taken up votes on the budget except to maybe get – some reconciliation instructions to jam through their um, priorities, which so far has not worked for them. But a real budget hasn't been on the floor in a long time. And I'm glad that someone is at least raising these issues. Nan, I'm a conservative. I I prefer elected leaders to their first instinct to be to tighten the belt, right? That uh, I think that's a basic conservative notion. But the Republicans, uh, over the course of the last time they were in leadership, they don't really have a, a, a really strong record on spending. What do you see that's different now from before? Well, I think this is something that we see, you know, every time Republicans are in charge, they suddenly forget how to be fiscal conservatives. And then when they're in the minority, suddenly they do want to halt spending. Um, This is something that happens, you know, regularly in the political cycle. So ultimately it's up to voters to remind their legislators why they were put in office. And this time around, though, we're looking at really, really bleak economic figures that the Congressional Budget Office just put out, and we're all dealing with a bleak economy day to day. So even if voters aren't going to hold legislators' feet to the fire, I think the market and just the fiscal reality is going to. So you speak to a, a, a proposing a budget, that typically means discipline. It means um, some people are go- going to... Exp- so, so tell me, <laughs> uh, um, uh, 
what are the highlights of this plan? I, I presume entitlement reform is part of this plan? Yes, there's um, a lot of the usual things that you would expect from um, a conservative plan, lots of deregulation, um, some better oversight of the executive branch, uh, getting rid of a lot of waste in different places, my favorite, lots of budget process reforms, including reforms that would simply make a budget matter. Um, when people think, oh, Congress passed a budget, usually that you know sounds very encouraging and good, but they often don't understand that given our arcane process, the budget isn't even a law. It's just a suggestion um, that the House and Senate hopefully agree to. And from that comes our spending legislation in the form of appropriations. Um, so some of the reforms in the Republican study committee's budget would make budgets matter, which I think is an important first step. That's a that's a strange concept. I'm not. Uh, we we all have to live with that in our day to day lives, right? And and it's maybe in the first time in 40 years, it's it impacting us as deep as ever. It's interesting that policymakers don't have to <laughs> follow that. Well, I guess scope and, and scale. Even, well, and even once a budget is enacted when that happens, which is rarer and rarer these days and appropriation bills happen, Congress has a million other ways to get around any of those limits because they can waive rules, they can say that the spending is mandatory, so it just has to happen and it's outside the hands of Congress, or that it's an emergency, so we're not gonna try to pay for it with other cuts or increases in revenue. Um, there's very little on a practical level that you can do to limit a legislator who's fully intent on spending more. Speaking of the practical, we've got very few legislating days left in the year, right? This political calendar. Mm -hmm. What what do you see between now and the election as it, it is the Senate? Are they going to be able to use this plan to articulate a vision that will change um, their leadership position in the fall? Well, a couple things. One, there are two senators right now who have um, put out and one's on the brink of putting out their own budget proposals because the Senate Budget Committee, both the majority and minority staff, have not put out any budget recommendations of their own. Senator Rand Paul just this week launched his six-penny plan, which proposes cutting six cents of every dollar the government spends. It used to be just a penny, but as things get worse, now we're up to six. And next week, Senator Braun is going to be releasing his own budget, which I think um, will also have a very, very robust fiscal conservative perspective. I know that Senator Braun thinks that all the spending should be on the table, that we shouldn't have any sacred cows, especially at this point in our fiscal journey. So in this blueprint, um, do you see, Nan, a, um, anything that could bring bipartisan cooperation? Oh, yes. Um, actually, one of my favorite things and an issue that at R Street we've been working on um, and working across the aisle is the Article 1 bill, which actually 
comes from Senator Mike Lee, which would help um, put Congress back in charge of national emergency declarations. Right now, the president can announce an emergency. It gives him pretty broad um, authorities to move money around, to set different priorities, um, to go around Congress. But this would give um, members of Congress, this would impose a shorter limit on such an emergency, and it would mean that Congress would have to approve more things. So Article 1 is a smart bill that has um, bipartisan support, and we hope to see it or language like that passed on one of the big must-pass bills this year. Dan Swift, a resident fellow for the R Street Institute, thank you for joining us and giving us uh, some inside scoop on the blueprint to save America from uh, the Republican Study Committee. We're uh, going to pivot to the economics of the season. Uh, Janet Yellen has uh, conducted an interview, uh, and uh, the, the messaging around that was just staggering to me. Uh, I, I uh, It'll be interesting to talk through this and see if you can find any clarity that I was not able to find up next after the break. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.